my brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hey, y'all. A while back, just after releasing the episode called Johnny and Lisa... I got together with Bob Mata from the great podcast called Defense Diaries, and we talked about the case and some of the details about it. This is that chat that we had. We cover this case, and man, I'm telling you, every time we get to chatting, it just keeps going. We'll end up talking about a little bit of everything in it. All of our conversations are fun, and yes, we do keep on topic, but we almost always end up talking about other things too. That's what we did in this episode. The main focus is the Johnny and Lisa case. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go ahead and stop this one and go back and listen to it and then come right back after and you'll get some extra insight on it. I originally released this for Patreon a bit ago. If you're not over on Patreon, you can expect to have stuff like this and more. Just really good stuff. And I love getting on and talking cases with Bob. So without doing a solo version of what me and Bob do, I'll go ahead and play what I have. Y'all have a good one. All right. Welcome back to the show, y'all. And um, we've got a good guest with us today, Bob Mana, which we've had on the show before. And we're going to talk about a pretty screwed up ass case. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty, it's a weird one, man. Like the fact pattern's really weird on it. And what's up, Brando? Uh, good to hang again, man. Yeah, yeah. I always love hanging out with you, talking with you, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's always a good Ditto. time. Ditto. Same same yeah so you had kind of brought this case up to me you're like uh well why don't we talk about this one i was like yeah i don't know much about it and then uh yeah when i dug into it a little bit it's a pretty weird case man yeah i, I mean you know, and i listened to your episode of it uh you know as my first primer to kind of get me familiar with what was going on with it yeah it's it's a weird one yeah it's like for for my end of it it's you know i of course deal with the dispatch side and then the police side a little bit of it and just kind of hit that but at the same time there's so much on the back end that you know the court documents and what actually happened in court before court all this stuff and yeah. how these you know two well they weren't kids they were they were adults but they were young young adults how they can just get murdered like that and the it's real crazy. people don't really get blamed for it they don't i don't know it's it's, I a, know, it's, it's like and it seemed kind of like a like a wrong place at the wrong time type thing yeah. you know what i mean like I, like i don't I didn't get the sense that they were targeted. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like at least, especially when I was listening to the dispatch calls, you know, it seemed like to me and, and, and for all y'all out there that don't know the case, we're obviously going to give you kind of like, we'll save it. We'll, we'll talk about it after we get yeah, into yeah. the case, like some of the things going on. All right. So this, why don't this, you tell all of our listeners what's going on with this yeah, case? This is, man. this is what we do. We just, we get on, we start talking and it, it, it takes like eight hours to make it a five minute, you know, true, true story. <laughs> it's a true, it's a true story, man. All right. So, uh, the, the case we're talking about is the Johnny Clark and Lisa Straw murders. Um, 
on my feed. It happened. I put that episode out a couple of weeks ago, I guess. And, um, this happened back in January of 2011. It happened. I mean, a long time ago, 12 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, the way it all started out was a, essentially a friend of theirs, uh, called a couple different people. They, uh, were on the, she was on the phone with one, the boy, the guy, uh, Johnny. And mm-hmm. while she was on the phone with Johnny, she said she heard some sort of a commotion and heard him kind of arguing with someone. And then after that, the phone hangs up and they can't get back in touch with him at all. Right. Um, they go over there and they, and this is where it kind of gets a little bit mixed up. It's a little bit different. She says that she sees that the, the place has been ransacked and everything. And she ends up getting in touch somehow through a third party and another friend of theirs with Johnny's mom. And she freaks out. She calls nine one one. Yeah. And out, man, I mean, she, she knows what it so. is. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. yeah, she, she knows that there's something wrong. So she calls police go over there and they're not able to find anything. That's kind of one of the, the reasons I wanted to have you on is because of this, to have the PC, to have the probable cause to actually go inside that house to, to find out what's going on. They had nothing right. other than a, you know, a wellness check. Yeah, it, it was a wellness check. And right. if that friend of theirs was out there, I don't even know if that's enough. Like saying, Oh, I heard them on the phone and there was and a there scuffle. Was inside. Yeah. There was a commotion right. of some sort. They, I don't even know if they can prove that they were absolutely a thousand percent inside the house at that point. Right. You know, I mean, in Illinois, at least they, they have uh, an exception and most states have it, you know, in terms of if you walk in, if you're law enforcement, you walk in and there's a homicide, there's an exception to the warrant rule where you can start searching right away. Obviously they're going to clear the house, Yeah. Uh, you know, but they can also collect evidence as well. But typically what happens is when they walk in and if they do find bodies, you know, they're going to send somebody over to the judge while there's still guys over there processing the scene. They're going to call the crime scene analysts and the, the unit in to come and start collecting evidence and processing the scene. In the meantime, the dude's over in front of the judge getting the warrant, which obviously you're going to get because you have dead bodies. So, you know, but yeah, th- this it was a weird one. And was it at her house, like Lisa's house? Yeah, it was at uh, Lisa's parents' house. So the police actually went out there the first time. They couldn't find anything that looked out of ordinary. They ended up yeah. leaving and they said they couldn't do anything. Uh, a little while later, um, the mom goes over there and while she's on the way, she calls for the police to go back out there again. And, you know, police go out there the second time they talk to her, they talk to the friend, they talk to the dad, you know, several people are out there, go around and look again. There's nothing they can't see through the blinds. They can't see inside. No unlocked doors. Nothing looks out of the ordinary. So again, right. they can't go inside. So right, um, and it and it's it's that situation because like the folks were like in Europe, right? Uh, they like were the on a like, cruise. Actually, I think it was yeah, Puerto were, Rico. Um, yeah, so they were they were inaccessible yeah. though. Like they couldn't like they couldn't like it's not like the cops could have called and said, "Hey, you know, we need to be able to gain access to your house. We're worried that your daughter might be in peril or yeah. whatever." Like they were inaccessible, so they were kind of their their hands were tied. Yeah, I'm there. sure if they were local enough, like say in the United States, say they were like um, Miami or something, because this happened in Ohio. If they were For in sure. Miami or something like that, they could absolutely just call them up and say, "Hey, we think there's something right. going on here. Can we gain access to your house?" Any sure. normal uh, parent would be like, "Yes, please go inside the house." Hundred percent. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I was, if it was my kid, I'd be like, yeah, dude, kick the door and get in there. Yeah. And, and that's kind of yeah. what happened with the, the police uh, as, 
as they were leaving, one of the officers, he talks to the dad and says, look, as police, I can't go inside right now. Uh, I can't tell you to go inside, but as a dad, I would tell you to wait until I go and then kick the door down and go inside. Right. And that's kind of what happened. They, um, ended up, they found like a little crease in one of the blinds in the back. They had to boost somebody up to actually look through it. And they saw some, you know, some feet and some ransacked, uh, stuff in that, like laying down on the, on the ground. And, yeah. uh, so they went around, kicked the door and they went inside. And when they got there, they found, um, both Johnny and Lisa with their, well, G- Lisa and Johnny both had their legs taped up with duct tape. And, uh, Johnny had his, ha- his hands bound behind, behind his back. Both of them had plastic bags over their heads and it was wrapped up around their necks really tightly with, uh, duct tape. So, um, you know, that's how they found them. They called police back to the scene again. They go in there and start doing their investigation. And when they start looking at all this stuff, they start seeing like all this ransack stuff, but it's very specific. There's several rooms that have right. this and other rooms were completely and totally untouched. Right. Um, so, but one of the things, and this is really cutting down on a, a long, uh, story about this. One of the things about it is they said that the, the place overall, as far as evidence goes, like, you know, fingerprints, DNA, stuff like that, it was ultra clean. So whoever yeah. it is came in, they probably had gloves on. They probably had, you know, uh, there's no telling exactly what they were doing to prevent their DNA and everything from showing everywhere. Um, right. but they kind of hit a home run of sorts kind of when they found a smoked cigarette, like a cigarette, butt laying in one of right. the corners and they got some DNA from it. What a fucking genius, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. We're all going to wear gloves and we're going to be all, we're going to, we're going to lock this shit down, man. We're not going to leave any DNA. And then some idiot fucking leaves a cigarette butt in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's like everything they went through, no fingerprints anywhere. Uh, I mean, there's just so much stuff. And yeah, um, I mean, and, and it's like they were obviously manhandling the kids. You, yeah. You know what I'm saying? To like leave nothing on the kids means that they were buttoned up in terms of, you know, like they clearly were wearing gloves. They probably had long sleeves on. They probably had a hat of some kind on. So not, you know, not as to lose hair. Yeah. You know, all the things that you have to do to kind of protect from leaving DNA at a crime scene. If you're the one committing the crime, they appear to have done that. Yeah. Except for old Sam, who flicked the sig butt over there, yeah. you know, because it's like when I was watching the Discovery ID thing to kind of get more familiar with the case, they were talking about like they they had some of the law enforcement guys on there asking, you know, him the question, like, well, you know, tell us, like, give us a, a rational explanation of how your DNA could be at the crime scene. And I'm like, well, I mean, theoretically. You know, I mean, if Johnny's got like boots on with like, you know, and he's got like his, um, you know, his soles have like, uh, or the tread is like thick, you know, he's got those like, I mean, you could step on a cigarette out on the street and then bring it inside and and bring that shit inside. I mean, yeah, I didn't even really think about that part of it, but yeah, you know, because I was trying to think of like, if I'm this dude, you know, like, because that's really the only piece of evidence they had connecting that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's, and then you know we'll get into it but he starts making the jail calls yeah yeah that's Um, that's where so to kind of go through what they uh, they believe happened and they kind of got this from different stuff uh once they actually picked him up when they matched his dna it took months apparently to do this and um when they actually went up to arrest him they 
they came up with us marshals and they they thought that or he thought um anyway that it was for some other charge that he had because he'd been arrested several other times and domestic right. violence issues and all kinds of stuff he he was a violent person in the first place right. so when he you know got arrested he really thought it was for something else he didn't think it was for for this at all right so that that's what he says at least so they bring him and start questioning everything he's denying everything obviously uh he they hold him in, in jail for a little bit and while he's in there he gets bunked up with some dude who's in there for not paying his child support and <laughs> of all things he's bunked up with this dude like a you right. know a double murderer and he's he's bunked <laughs> right. up with a dude with a like hadn't paid his child support so right and that's some, some statutory bullshit yeah yeah <laughs> not a hardened criminal yeah so but yeah. when he's in there he, he says that uh you know the guy just poured his soul out to him and and told everything he did that night and uh apparently the way that it went down via this guy um the the guy that, that didn't pay his child support he said that uh he was the sam guy the suspect uh says that he was kind of haunted by the sound it was making because the, the way that they they did it was they were there likely looking for something um there's speculation there was like a safe with maybe a hundred thousand dollars in it they're trying to torture them to you know make them come out with wherever it was and right. uh that didn't happen so they ended up bringing johnny set him down bound his hands and feet they brought lisa in they ended up putting a bag over her head and they were holding it there until she passed out. Like they were right. face to face with each other, Johnny and Lisa. Right. So right. they were hoping that like she would talk if, if she's being tortured, he's looking at her being tortured and you know, maybe he'll open up too or something like that. Right. So yeah. they did this three times on the third time that she passed out. She didn't wake back up. She didn't start right. breathing again. So right. she was dead. And I guess at that point they were like, okay, that we, we fucked up and, can't just, leave a witness yeah, no witnesses yeah. they did the same right. thing to him um you know both of them with the bags tightly wrapped around their head and neck with the, the duct tape and the uh, what you call it the uh autopsy trying to get mm -hmm. my head here uh they <laughs> sorry i couldn't remember what they call the bottom of a shoe so yeah, you're yeah. good soul there we go <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway with that they um they said that it was a strangulation type thing, you know, asphyxiation. So it was probably a combination of both the, the bag and just being, having the duct tape wrapped so tightly around like that. So it was, that it's just really harsh way to do any type of crime like that in the first place. I mean, you, you go up and I'm not saying that any murder is okay, but if, if I'm the person getting murdered, I'd much rather have somebody put a gun to my head, pull the trigger. Oh God. Than being yeah. Suffocated like quicker. this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because and especially yeah, that, with Johnny, that he had to sit and watch his girlfriend have the life die. just drain out of her. Right, it's brutal, man. Yeah, and and it's like I, I clearly think that they were coming in, like you said. You know, like I I don't know the specifics in terms of if these guys were like from around that same town, and that they they knew that they were going to be out of town. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like these little like kind of theft rings. You know, they keep an eye on shit like they like it's no accident that the folks were on a cruise. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I think that they, they came into that. Probably all yeah. knew each other. Of course. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, you know, they, they knew that they were, the folks are going to be gone. They knew that there was allegedly legend had it. There was cash, a lot of it in that house. Yeah. So they were going in and they were probably surprised by the kids, you know, unless your theory is that they knew the daughter was there. 
and they were going to try to extract information. But usually, man, like thieves aren't going in trying to kill people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they go in and try to get. Yeah, yeah, they want to get the the goods and get out. Yeah, but they to, they to, actually like, ended up with this. They, um, it was you know Sam and there was another guy named Cameo, and mm-hmm. uh, those were the two DNA pieces they had on that cigarette, and yep. they ended up taking both to trial and while they were at trial the the stool pigeon with the <laughs> with the child support he's the one right. that kind of made the case on top of the the dna but on the uh the cameo on that side he never got uh convicted of it he actually got off and yeah i think i think he was found not guilty like i think that they felt like they didn't have enough yeah you know that they just didn't have enough evidence against him and it was like because they didn't have they didn't have the statement they yeah. didn't have the confession from you know the 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 dude that was his cellmate you know what I'm saying yeah, the like, only thing they piece, had was the DNA right which is not much yeah you know I mean in terms of it's a scary thing to convict on because there's a lot of explanations of how that cigarette could have gotten on there and they're not finding their DNA anywhere else yeah you know what I mean it's like that's as a defense attorney, that would worry me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if these were my clients and if the guy's sitting there telling me, I didn't do this, man, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. You know, but then you think about the legitimacy of this this rat, you know, his cellmate, he doesn't really have a big motivation to lie. It's not like he's looking at a serious, like, prison bid, man. He's in there for, I don't know what the law is in, in Ohio, but, like, in Illinois, I think it's, like, six months max that they can keep you in jail on child support, like where you haven't, because like we don't have debtors prison in in the United States. Like you can't typically go to jail for owing money. So like that, the child support is the one time where they can toss you in jail, and it's not the way that they got around it. Is it? It's not because you owe the money. It's because you're not following a court order. They yeah. call it indirect, uh, indirect civil contempt of of court. So they they hold you in there, and typically what they do, like in Illinois. On a case, if you got a dad who's got like ten, fifteen thousand behind in back support, they'll file what they call a rule to show cause, and that's to say, okay, you need to come in and, and tell the judge exactly why you're not following the court order. Is there a legitimate reason you're not paying support, or you're just like forget it, man? I'm not paying support, you know. So, and you have to you have to prove your case. You have to prove up to the judge that there's a legitimate reason that you're just not willfully not paying the support because you're like screw the courts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. And then if the judge finds that he is in willful contempt for not paying the support, then he'll say, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to set like a purge amount, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to sentence you to X amount of days in the jail, or I'm going to just sentence you to, to Kane County Jail, which is a county that we're primarily in, and, but I'm going to stay it, uh, meaning I'm not going to put you in right now. I'm going to stay it for two weeks, and if you can come up with 7500 bucks, say they owe like ten grand. Uh, you, you know, I'm going to commute that sound like it's going to go away. You're not going to have to go in. So they give them an opportunity to come up with the money before they toss them in. And most times they do. Yeah. Like, you know, with the threat of jail, people go to their friends and their family like, oh, man, I need to borrow some money. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I got to pay off this support or I'm going in, you know. So yeah, I'm going to go in um, next to a double murder. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, like my point being this this guy, you know, that went in on the support. This wasn't like a long term thing. So. Where typically you worry about guys that are coming in and basically saying my my celly, you know, confessed everything to me is that they're trying to get a benefit for themselves. Yeah. Like that didn't really exist for this guy. You know what I mean? Like this guy, 
you know, I mean, what is he sweating like, you know, a, a couple months in jail and he's going to rat rat some innocent guy out and make this whole story up? It seems unlikely to me. Yeah, and that's uh, that actually is kind of a uh, angle. Apparently, the defense took on that is that he he was benefiting from it somehow uh, that he was going to. I think I'd, I'd have to look back at notes or uh, article. That I'm I read sure about it was it, something. Yeah. It had to have been like that kind of argument. Yeah. Like he was looking, you know, that this was going to get him out of jail, you know, that he did them a solid. He closed this case for him, you know. So, but like, that's not a deal that they, like the family court judge isn't going to give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you, you got family court judges and then you have like criminal court judges and one does not have anything to do with the other. So, whatever he did in terms of helping the cops close this case. Those cops are never, ever getting to a family court judge saying, hey, you know, this guy really took care of us on this case. Can you just waive that child support? And the judge would be like, no, no, this guy owes 10 grand in support. He's got to pay. He's not taking care of his kid. Yeah. Sorry. Like, no deal. You know, you know what I mean? So like that, that argument sucks if the, if that's what the defense brought. And I get I, it's really the only argument you bring. So I, yeah. like, I wouldn't be surprised at all that that's exactly what they said. It's always what you say. You know, you get a you get a stool pigeon in there or a rat on the on the thing and you know, they're gonna say, Oh, this guy's benefiting from it. You can't trust anything he says. And then they go through their criminal history. Can't trust this guy, he's a thief and a liar and a murderer, you know, whatever that guy's done. So you destroy his credibility and say, What, now you're gonna believe him? Because he's coming in here and he's gonna get a benefit. Like I d I don't know what this other cat's background was, but um like I'm not imagining it was anything horrific, like you know, beyond the child support stuff, but I don't know, maybe yeah, it, it's possible. It, it is entirely possible, but at least for that one, it, it'd be different if he was in there for, you know, armed robbery or, you know, or something like that. Like, yeah. He's going to get like years taken off of a sentence. That's a little bit different, but totally. Yeah. Different. This is not, that's not the case this is here. Not that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So back over to the cameo guy, he, um, apparently there was some sort of a Miranda, uh, thing that happened with him. They, they didn't, process them correctly there there was some sort of a weird thing and you know i did go through the core documents a little bit but there were so different so many different pieces to it and you know of course i'm no lawyer i i don't i don't do that so i don't know if you got to got a chance to kind of breeze no, through I'm, those like or not I, but like i wouldn't because you sent me the thing about um cameo and i i didn't know that that was because they didn't have his first name because yeah. you were like you sent me like two case sheets and it was basically one of them was with Cameo. So I don't know what the grounds were, but it, like if it's a Miranda issue, it's more likely than not going to be a, a, a statement that he made that they yeah. suppressed. Um, I think you know, that's probably what, what one of it was. Yeah, because like, I mean, with Miranda, that's typically, that you know, that's what you're looking to seek. If there's been a violation, if you're defense, I'm looking to, to you know, if my guy made a statement I'm, and I'm going to say, look. You know, you didn't Mirandize him. You didn't let him know that he had the right to remain silent. So he wasn't aware of that, right? You know, so I'm guessing that's what it was as to that. I mean, the bottom line is with that guy, though, I mean, it, it still made it to trial. Yeah. Like they still, the prosecution still made the, the decision to move forward and try the case, you know, with both of these guys, you know, as kind of co-conspirators in the whole thing. And at the end of the day. It, as to cameo, they just felt like I guess the jury didn't feel like the the state had met their burden, you know. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like that, without that statement from the the Sally, you know, Sam's walking too. I mean, like you don't want people getting convicted on like they found a cigarette butt with DNA on it because the cigarette butt's not even really related to the kids. Yeah, and they they can never nail down an absolute 100 percent motive on it either. So exactly, yeah, exactly. You, you know, and it's like. 
in the in the Discovery ID show, they had a lot of those phone calls that they're recording where, you know, he was calling, Sam was calling a friend, and then he called his wife, and his wife is the one who's like, oh, you know, I talked to your cousin, and your cousin said that you were at a birthday party at a bar that night, you know, so the cops then go and try to check that alibi out. That doesn't check out. Yeah. You know, but the, but the cops are like, you know, the cops say something like, oh, well, he was not lying to us or, he, you know, he wasn't being truthful. With us. I'm like, well, he didn't say anything like he did an overhear of a jail call. Like he didn't say he was there. His wife said, his, yeah. you know, his his wife said his cousin said he was there. And then he's like, you know, because like on that phone call, like this dude's like, uh, like, is he sure I was there? Or <laughs> Like he had no memory of it. Like he, he didn't seem like. You know, because, like, do you know what was the gap in terms of, like, how long from the time of the the, the crime until... The arrest. Like, the arrest is made. It was, is it I, I think it was like eight months. And the the Sam guy, um, he says he was essentially homeless at that point. It's That's one of the things that he kind of claimed. Uh, he right. said he was kind of bouncing around to different friends' houses and stuff like that. And he had, like I said, domestic violence type stuff in the past. And... um I can't recall if he, if it was him or the other guy that was, I think it was actually the other guy that was like married, but, um, they, I guess they theoretically could have both been married. Uh, I didn't look quite deep into well, that on that like show that. on the, yeah. On the discovery ID, like they definitely said that he called his wife. Yeah. So then like when, when you were saying that thing about him being homeless, I'm like, wait, the dude was like, like on a phone call with his wife. Yeah, It's probably sp- split or something like that or, <laughs> or it, it, it could have happened, I guess, you know, maybe they were apart when all that was happening. I don't know. Of course, at the same time, that's could have been his, uh, trying to be an alibi, I guess, you know, right. Uh, just flat exactly. out saying, no, oh, I don't remember where I was. I, you know, and then there was a, a talk about him being a, at a bar watching the pro bowl that day. And, uh, I don't know. It just, it, none of it really matched up so well. Yeah, and they ended up ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I mean, the cops went and tried to check out the alibi with respect to, you know, whether or not the guy was at the bar. Yeah. You know, obviously bartenders are going to have a pretty good idea if somebody was there. Probably went and talked to the cousin. Cousin probably got nervous, like, eh, yeah, man, maybe he wasn't there. I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to get picked up on my own shit yeah, okay. by making, a, making up a fake story for this guy. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, he had no alibi. You know, so it's it's like they couldn't really put him anywhere, you know, in terms of him having a solid alibi. And, and they do at least have his DNA in the house. And then you have, you know, this guy coming in where, where this guy's basically like, – because the way they said it on the on the show was like it was like a confessional, like that he was just spilling his guts, yeah. you know, like every detail about it to the guy. You know, and it, it, like and the cops are going to know the details of the crime, right? So, like, there's no way – that this guy's going to be able to come up with details if he has that many details, unless Sam told it to him. Yeah, and you know what I mean. That's like, one of the best one of points right there. He, yeah, he would have he can't no make way it to up know that. a whole cloth. No way to know exactly, unless the guy's telling you. Yeah, you know, because there's going to be shit that's going to be in the paper, but the cops are smart enough not to put a majority of stuff in the paper. And that's one of the things that you know I'm always talking about. Like people are like, why don't they tell us what's going on? I'm like, because of that. Yeah, they can't have they can't have information out there. If they're still trying to make an arrest, they're not going to put any information out to the public other than what they like carefully comb through and decide, all right, this is something we want to disseminate, but they're doing it for a purpose. You know, they're doing it because they're trying to draw something out. Like they did, they did the same thing with the Idaho four case with the Bolo, with the car. Yeah. You know, like they, they already identified whose vehicle owned, who, like the, you know, the dude owned that, that Elantra. 
Because like that was found out on November 29th, you know, and the bolo doesn't come out until December 7th. And that was a nationwide bolo. But that wasn't like they knew that nobody else was going to come forward because they knew who owned the car. They did that to see if he was going to come forward. That's why they did it, because they didn't want to go to him directly and be like, yo, man, like, uh, we know your car, like, because they weren't there yet. Like, they didn't have everything they needed at that point. So for them to go to him and have him lawyer up right away would have been a bad move. They would have, like, they wouldn't have been able to continue to investigate him in the same way that they were. So the best move for them was to issue that bolo and see what he does. If he comes forward and says, yo... Yeah, I, I saw this thing on the TV, man, and, you know, you guys are looking for this car. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I was there. I was driving around that area that night, and, you know, I was like, well, what are you doing? Well, you know, I was trying to score some some Molly or whatever he's doing, you know, come up with some shit. You know, but when he doesn't, and everyone knew about that, like everybody on the planet knew about that bolo, that it was that type of case, you know, this wasn't one of those cases where that's going to slip under the radar, like it was just too high publicity. You know, everyone yeah. knew about that case, so they knew that this guy knew. And, you know, and it, uh, there's that concept that if he's the guy, he definitely knew, you know, because he's following that shit like a vulture online, you know, day by day, seeing what news is out there. That's why we live in such a different world. Like back in the old days, criminals had no idea what was going on. Now you just go on the Internet. Like if you're a criminal, you've done some horrible shit. You're going to go online and figure out, like, you know, see what's going on with the case. See if there's been any leaks. See if there's been any, <laughs> has anybody come forward? Has there been, you know, has there been any developments that the, the press has caught wind of? You know, like, all those things exist now where they didn't back then. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I think that thing holds up pretty well, you know? Yeah, yeah. In terms of, in terms of that statement from the guy. Yeah, I, I don't think there's... They can try to throw some some fluff up at it and say, you know, oh, he got, he got some 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 sort of benefit or whatever. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, even if they were trying to like pay him off or something like that, I don't I don't see that happening. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, me either. Me either. So all right, so I open this thing up and it, it looks like um, Cameo Petaway is his last name. Yeah. That there were a few different issues. One of the ones uh, that seemed to to weigh heavily on the court was the fact that uh, Petaway's IQ was very, very low. Oh, like, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, it says that um, uh, his IQ, like, I, I don't want to really say it because they, they worded it improperly. <laughs> uh, they uh, they called it mentally retarded, yeah. but, like, that's not the proper terminology in today's day and age. This was written, like, 12 years ago, this opinion, so... Yeah. Uh, they, have, they haven't caught up with the times. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but he had a, he had a very, very low IQ which means that he didn't have the ability to understand when they gave him the Miranda waiver that he didn't know what he was reading. Yeah. So that's that's actually a good point right there. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what the issue was. So by way of that, whatever statement he made got tossed. So that's what happened with him. Yeah. And there was a little bit of a conflict of interest with the judge. It looks like. Well, see, that, that's kind of the weird part about that, too. Like, even with him having the low IQ and being classified like that, what he was, he's still, from everything I've read about, he's still a career criminal. He's um, He's been in several different fights with his, uh, his girlfriend slash wife, was sent away to prison for that for a little bit, and he's, as far as I know, he's currently in, in prison or in jail awaiting trial because he shot some dude. Right. So even though he he got off from the the murder of these two you know 
uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, Johnny and Lisa, even though we got, got out from that, he's still sitting in prison and is probably going to just continue doing the same thing over and over again the rest of his life. Yeah. And I, he struck me as a bad dude. Oh, yeah. like, like they had like a couple of calls with him and just like sounding, you know, like the way that they were talking to each other. He's like, you know, you could tell they were career criminals, like the both of them. Oh, like, yeah. Like Sam, what like Sam wasn't a good dude either. Oh, like, not know, at all. He, no, you yeah. know what I mean? They were they were both they were both pieces of shit. So like ultimately, but you know, this doesn't necessarily make them murderers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like for justice for the kids, we obviously want the right people getting caught. You know, like I, I just neither of those guys struck me as dudes that are like really bright. No, like you know what I'm saying. Like they didn't strike me as guys that are like, all right, dude, we gotta like, we're gonna get into this house, so we gotta be gloved. You know, like we're we're not gonna leave any DNA, we're not gonna leave any trace type shit. And then we're you know they go in, turns out that the kids are at the house, they're taken, they're taken by surprise. They got to figure out a way. Like, well, like are they running around to find the duct tape in the house? That's you know one of the I mean? other things like, too. Like apparently the the parents of Lisa said that they didn't even have any duct tape in the house. So that's they, what I'm saying. They so are they coming to the? That's that's weird. You know what I mean? So maybe they are expecting. Maybe they are expecting the daughter to be there for the purposes of giving a combo to the safe. Yeah. Like she would know that. My kids don't know my safe combo. Yeah. Are you kidding me? My 16 year old be all like, bzz, 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 <laughs> you know. <laughs> Stealing a hundo out of there. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, because I, I was thinking about that that aspect of it, like with the with the duct tape type thing, man. I'm like, are you digging around their house while you're trying to control two kids from escaping? Or do you come with it? Which, if they came with it, would indicate that they knew that, that she was home at, at the very least. Yeah. So they may not have known that he was going to be there, but they certainly knew... That she would be there, and uh, know, or at least like Johnny, for instance, he was he was actually a bigger guy. He was like I think like around six foot tall and uh, around two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah, like they actually kid. believed that there was more than just the two of them there. It's there was speculation of a third guy, and I can't recall what his name was, but they never could do anything like the limited amount of evidence they had against uh, Sam and Cameo. They did not have anything on this other guy. They couldn't the pin dude. that dude. Yeah, they couldn't, couldn't pin that down. And truth be told, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you the look at this big of a guy, I mean, it could probably take more than three. Yeah, for sure. You know, especially if the kid's, like, motivated. Yeah. You, you know, like, if they don't have a piece, like, if they don't have a gun and they're, you know, it's not trained on the kid. Yeah, and, and that actually you know, may which, have been again, the case, yeah. I mean, it could have been, but, you know, it kind of goes to that point that you were making. It's like... <sighs> You know, that's a brutal way to, to kill somebody in terms of suffocation. And like, you're kind of, cause you, you, you're like watching it happen yeah. and it's prolonged, you know what I mean? As the perpetrator even. And, you know, I mean, like I said, just because they're thieves doesn't necessarily make them murderers unless it happens on necessity. It sounds like, you know, if that was the case there, that they're trying to extract information out of, like, I'm curious as to whether or not they ever found the safe. Like, did they, no, there's, did you ever, did you, it's, and this is one of the things that's kind of, uh, up in the air. The, the, one of the theories is the, the money, the hundred thousand dollars, which hardly anyone, if you really think about it, would keep a hundred thousand dollars inside of a safe inside their house. It's going to be in a bank right. somewhere unless they're doing right. something illegal. And, right. uh, the speculation was that Lisa's parents were drug dealers of some sort, possibly there was, it was unlike it, it was never founded. So, I mean, it, 
may or may not have happened. Uh, they did right. find some, like when they're lo- looking around for evidence, they found some, some seeds for marijuana there. Um, and later on, this is well later on. Like it seems like everybody connected with this, they were all touching drugs of some sort, some way. Uh, the, you know, the nine one calls. And, you know, if you wanted to listen to those, obviously check my episode about it out. Um, <clears throat> the, the friend that was over there, uh, I believe her name was destiny or something along that lines. Um, she actually said that she saw all the stuff ransacked and everything. So the parents, right. Johnny's parents believe that she either had something to do with it. Like likely said either had something to do with it, set it up, maybe something. I don't, I don't know exactly what it was, but they believe that she had something to do with it. And then years later they, they created a plan and they were going to go and kill her. They went and followed her in a back alley and the dad shot at her, nearly hit her in the head. Luckily she got away, but they actually both got arrested for that. And, um, Johnny's parents, yeah, Johnny's parents did. Wow. Yeah. So it it goes deep and went like Johnny's uh, dad. Uh, when, when they actually went to the house, his mom lied and said, he's not there. And turns out he was, he was hiding in the back bedroom when they found him, they found some marijuana and some other paraphernalia on him. So there's, there was drugs all around, you know, it, depending on what form, I mean, it might be smoking weed or something like that. I don't know, but it could have been way more than that. But in general, most people, legitimate people don't keep a hundred thousand dollars in the safe in their house. You can, but most people don't. Yeah, you can. Well, I mean, it better be like built in better not be like something you can just pick up and carry out of the spot yeah, <laughs> you know what i mean exactly. Somebody, like might as well not have a safe then uh yeah i mean that i don't know if their theory is crazy i mean it definitely sounds like it was an inside job yeah you know what i mean like i i could completely see that that destiny chase that we said her name was destiny yeah, it was destiny i'm sitting here something like that so like that makes sense to me you know like she'd be the one in the know yeah like she'd she'd be the one that could like give intel like oh yeah like i'm over here you know let's pretend like in in a in a world that these folks are dealers maybe it's not even cash you're going at maybe they have a stash yeah you know i mean drug drug dealers like try to rip off you know like uh other drug dealer stashes all the time man that's a that's a thing like, yeah. i mean that's money the only thing that it's was stolen from the house that they absolutely know about was forty dollars it was left for lisa to buy pizza with while her parents were gone it was in wow. like a change jar. They put two twenties in there. That was taken. There was wow. some like, uh, I think like Iraqi money in there somehow. Like I think they're called dinar maybe or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that wasn't taken. There was jewelry there that wasn't taken. I guess that's, you know, jewelry obviously is going to be a little bit more traceable. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to go pawn it, man, yeah. you know, cops always go right to the pawn shops right away and try to figure out what's what with that. So yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that, like I, I don't think that they're nuts thinking that she was somehow involved and was the one that was that was given the information that number one that the parents were gone, number two that this is what you can get in here. You know, I mean, there, there's always there's got to be inside intel. So that's why I was asking if they were all from like the same town. Yeah. Like how does that how's that information? You know, it's like when you think about the old Hold Malone movie. You know, they they would always go and rob during like Christmas time when they knew that people were leaving. And not going to be in their property for an extended period of time. So they knew that they had free reign. It's kind of the same concept here, except it seems like that they were specifically looking for something in particular, which to me tells me that they had inside intel, that somebody had said something to them like, look, this is what they have here. 
you can come get it. I just want my cut. Yeah, you they, know what I mean? That type of deal. Whoever it was that did this, it was, you know, obviously, well, I want to say obviously it's most likely these two guys and maybe a third or a fourth. Or um, right. They Could went inside there and they, you know, they went to specific rooms and they right. turned mattresses over. They were looking in dresser drawers and dumping them out, out all over the place. And then other rooms were completely untouched. Yeah. So they were I mean, specifically looking for a specific definitely. place. Yeah. And a, and a specific <clears> thing, <throat> whether, whether it be cash or drugs, whatever the, whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, it's like, like you said, who knows? And, you know, we don't necessarily want to cash shade on these folks and, and speculate, but you, you know, I mean, clearly there was something there or at least they thought there was something there and it was told to other people who then decided to come and run this gig in, in that, that aspect of it makes me think that they thought that Lisa might be there. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like where that's why they brought the duct tape. They knew they were going to have to try to extract some information out of her, you know, but then again, you know, I'm assuming they had masks on to hide their identity. You would think, you but... know, you would think like, cause I just don't know if they're coming in with the intent on killing. Like, I mean, that's just, it, it makes everything way, way more serious, you yeah. know, in terms of the crimes they, that are, com- I don't think they did yeah. either. Um, yeah, I think it was a robbery went bad. Yeah, you know, and and like they weren't expecting Johnny to be there, and that was the next factor. And you know, then it turns into a horrific double homicide. They don't find shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it was a, a bad a bad job all around. Yeah, you killed know? two people so, for forty bucks essentially. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's hard shit. Yeah, it is, man. But you know, like it I said, is. the um, the parents they got arrested. They uh, apparently got sentenced to some jail time. Um, nothing happened with this. Uh, I keep saying destiny. I, I gotta, I'm horrible with names like that. You know, I get them mixed up. So am I, especially when I've never read them. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I have no idea what her name is. So I'm just going with, you know, I mean, destiny sounds good to me. Yeah, that works. I mean, you know, yeah, but I mean, yeah, they, sounds as good. Uh, nothing really happened with her from what I can tell. And you know, the two guys that likely did this, they're still in jail. Uh, for different reasons, but and then this third one and or fourth one, I mean they're still out on the streets more likely, you know, walking around yeah, free with, to go. I mean, probably with no hopes of ever, you know, getting them either short of this guy, you know, trying to cut a deal and trying to cut some years off his sentence, yeah. Sam, you know, and he rats these guys out, you know, but um, you know, he was he was talking big about how he's not a rat. You know, like th- that's what those conversations, some of those conversations with him and Cameo when he's calling from the jail phone, which he knows is, you know, being recorded and, you know, he's basically saying things to that effect, you know, like, you know, we, we hold tight, man. We don't, we don't say shit. You yeah. Know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You know, that type of stuff, those conversations go. Cause I, I mean, clearly they had a little crew, you know? So, um, I mean, you hope that they got the right guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, the, it's, it's not, it's not great evidence, but apparently it was enough. And that and, and that statement's pretty strong. Yeah, and they actually know, like the, I, the cameo guy, like on the court end of it too, um, you know, he apparently is uh, the whole double jeopardy thing was enacted with him. Can't be tried totally. for that again. Uh, he's no. not going back to, to trial for it. I mean, I, I'm kind of wondering though if uh, if they ever do find, and I'm not even sure if they're still investigating this at all. They're probably not because it's been so long. But if uh, they found some other type of crime involved with it, like instead of just murder, because I think for from what I can gather, that's the only charge they did. Uh, it could have been something else, but if there's like, they can find stuff for a robbery or something like that, they could tie them down for that later on, I guess. Couldn't they? Yeah. 
probably not. Really? Like, they, like, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking they definitely would have charged them both with kidnapping. Yeah, you know, for for certain. So it would have been murder, kidnapping. Yeah, I'd have to look to see. You know, probably like uh, like here they call it um, uh, uh, home invasion. You know, it's like home invasions where you go in with the intent on committing a felony, whether it be a violent. Like here, if you have a weapon when you go in, it's home invasion. Or if you're going in with the intent to commit a, a felony, it's burglary. You know what I'm saying? So, like, all, all those different charges probably were charged at that time. Yeah. It, it would be tough, man. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're better off just trying to get this turd on something else instead of trying yeah. to fight that fight and, and you know, trying to get around the double jeopardy like stuff. They've, they've and, done that with him shooting that other dude, so, yeah. Exactly. So, they, you know, he And actually got looking him. through, just, trying to find a, a little piece of my notes here. Eric Taylor was a guy. They uh, apparently the the stool pigeon, the the rat there in, in jail. He told, and again, this is another thing. Just kind of going to your point. How would he know? He he has he names. He gave names right. of him, Pet, uh, Sam Williams, uh, Cameo Petaway, and then another apparently East Side guy. I guess they all were from the East Side of that town. Uh, named Eric, Eric Taylor, and they were huh. all the killers. So wow, yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's a pretty good statement and i'm sure he had more facts than that too you know like it, like if this guy was spilling his guts as to exactly what they did and how it all went down i'm sure this guy had all of it you know which makes it a, a very powerful statement like it survives the stink test big time you know actually i'm looking through this and i don't know what truth there is to this uh this piece here because i'm looking at a different article here um it actually says that the um they they learned that the guy's name is Eric Yingling, the guy that was in uh, jail with him. They said that he was paid thousands of dollars after he testified against Williams, but it doesn't say by who. So I I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. Uh, who who's saying that now? Somebody's saying this guy got paid off thousands of dollars. Yeah, this this uh, news article I'm looking at. That sounds like, like, yeah. it sounds like some defense lawyer shit. There. Oh, this guy got three thousand dollar payment for making the statement. <laughs> yeah. So they're. That's what they came at him with, that this guy got paid off. He got just, to, like, somehow he got out of jail on his, uh, you know, being held on his child support because he came up somehow miraculously with the exact amount that he needed to pay to get purged out. Yeah. Is probably what the argument was. Like, he, he, you know, he had to pay, like, 3500 to get out, and somehow he came up with it while he's in jail, and somehow he comes up with it. But still, it doesn't take away the fact that the guy knew details that he wouldn't know otherwise unless this guy said something to Exactly. Him. I mean, I guess you know what I mean? theoretically they could say that he was fed that information, but there, there was too many very intricate details. You know, like the, the thing that stood out to him, they actually said was that Sam was haunted. He says he was haunted by the, the sound that the bag was making as Lisa was breathing, trying to breathe trying, inside. Yeah, like yeah. sucking Plastic into like bag, what's going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that would be brutal, man. That would be brutal. Which kind of goes to show, you know, I mean, the, the Sam probably wasn't like a murderer like it wasn't his real gig you know like this like if he's haunted at least he has a conscience yeah you know what i'm saying at least to some extent but yeah i i mean i guess i didn't really think of that fact i I guess one way that he could have gotten the information is the cops could have easily taken that guy out of his cell and said look we need your help on this thing you know We'll, we'll make sure that you get taken care of on this support thing yeah and, you know, we're going to give you some details. You're going to have to come out. Like, it would have to come from the cops. if it Yeah, absolutely. It would have had to, if not from yeah. from Sam. Yeah. If not from, if not from the dude. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, and, and 
in a case like that <clears throat> where they don't have where they don't have the strongest evidence, it's possible. You know, I mean, it's possible the cops came at him and said, "Look, you know, you're a sully." I mean, we know they do that. Like, I, I know that they they plant guys in jail that are actually cops all the time to try to get jailhouse confessions. So, I mean, it's certainly something that happens. Like going to where the cops are pulling him out and having him sit with the warden, you know, or or whoever's running the county jail and saying, look, you know, these officers need to talk to you for a minute. And then they leave in the room with the cops and the cops are like, look, you know, we know you're sitting here on this bullshit and you want to sit in here for six months or you can help us out. And, you know, we know this is the guy. Yeah. Like we know this is the guy, but we need a little extra help because, you know, we need this one extra piece of evidence. And then maybe they talk the guy into it. So I mean, that's distinct. It's a distinct possibility. Yeah, it's it's speculation, but it's one of those two things happened. Yeah, <laughs> let's put it that way. Like like somehow this guy got like accurate information, and you know, because if I'm the defense counsel and I'd been digging into that case, you know, and it's really hard. Like I'd have the opportunity to go try to interview that guy, you know, beforehand, but he's not going to talk to me. Like it's no. it's his defense counsel. It's really hard to get witnesses to talk to you. Because the state, like, shuts them down. Like, they can't tell a witness not to talk, but they can tell them, look, you don't have to talk. Mm-hmm. And then once once they hear that from the state, people feel, like, empowered and they're like, oh, no, I don't have to talk to you. Yeah. You know, because people, people don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's like if if people aren't told that they don't have to talk, they think that they have to anytime, like, law enforcement or a criminal case is involved and somebody says a lawyer is calling you. You think that you're in, you, like you're obligated to talk about it, and the reality is you're not, like ever. You know what I'm saying? Even if you're a witness, you have no obligation to talk about it. Like they can't force you to talk about things. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, but I would have definitely been digging in and trying to see like if this guy had been taken. Like I would have been going to my client and been like, "Yo, I need you to think about this hard. Like, do you ever remember like that guy getting like?" Like the the guards coming down and say, yo, you know, we need you for a while. And then they take him out of your cell. Do you remember that happening? Like in order to try to kind of rebut the yeah. fact that they're saying that he confessed to you, like you've got to try to build it like that because you're not going to be able to get the information from the police or the jail in terms of whether or not the guy like was pulled out of his cell and went to go talk to the, you know, the investigators on the on the homicide. You know, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, though. Whatever, whatever case may be, I mean, I, I just hope he's the right guy because yeah. it's not much evidence. It just seems like there's too many boxes that have been checked. You know that that seem yeah. like plus the fact that there's there's nobody else. They they had this other dude, Eric Taylor, apparently, and the police said they never really found enough evidence. You know, he wasn't like a strong suspect that type thing. So they it, even if they thought he was in there, they couldn't pin it down on him. But they could have if they were just looking for someone to take the fall for it. Could have found anybody, you know, they could have totally, but they didn't, you know, they, they found right. people with a connection that, uh, you know, well, they at least had the SIG with the DNA. Yeah. Like that was the connection, you, you know, but this, this girl's the X factor. Like if they could find like this girl who the family felt was the one who put these guys in the know in terms of what was in that house or potentially in that house, you know, and they're squeezing her hard to try to figure out like i'm talking about law enforcement being like they actually did they um there was about a half hour interview and that's it's able to be viewed on youtube even um the entire thing they questioned her all kinds of different ways and her story does kind of change a little bit i mean i i do have a feeling that she had at least a small piece of this uh but it was never enough that they could absolutely tie it down 
Well, did they, were they able to at least make that she had a connection or knowledge of these guys like that, that she knew them? Oh yeah. They were, they were apparently, uh, friends of some sort. Uh, and there, there was a bunch of back and forth stuff. Like, you know, even Johnny and Lisa, as much as everybody sees, they're like all their smiling faces on the pictures and stuff like that. They were kind of underhanded as well. They, um, there's apparently two, two different stories where, uh, one of them like bought a, a dog from somebody and only paid them half the money and never paid the rest. Same thing with a, a car that was bought for like $1,500, only paid seven fifty, never did pay back the rest. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of stuff. Um, Johnny himself, he apparently before this, all this happened, he, his dream was to become a barber. Apparently he wanted to open up his own barber shop and he was going to school for it. But there's a reason he was doing that and not going to college or something because he uh, apparently, like, it was an armed robbery he did against some guy. So, I mean, all of wow. them. So he, all of they them all were had dirty like in a little, little way. Yeah. So they all had a little, a little bit of dirt in the, yeah. in the past. All right. Yeah. I mean, so that kind of makes sense. I mean, theoretically, you know, I mean, it doesn't make it okay. That, like, right. It, it 100% doesn't yeah. make it okay. But in, in terms of like, the way that it ended up with Johnny and Lisa, even if they knew this crew to some extent, like it wasn't like it, it was like it was an inside job like that, because then why are they ending up dead? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like if Lisa's of the mindset, like, all right, my parents have a shit ton of money in this house. I can't be the one who does it, you know, because they're, they're like, if, if, if there's not like a crime that takes place and the money goes missing they're going to know it was me like like that I stole from my own parents. So like in theory, like, I, like I'm just thinking this thing out, like how it could have worked out, like where you've got a lot of people with knowledge and it's kind of like you got that inside person, whether it be this friend or whether it be Lisa herself. And then it turns out that they get there and, you know, they're like, they either don't find something or they do find it would make more sense if they had found a hundred grand and then the other dudes are like, yeah, I don't know if we can leave these two alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's, it's too big of a risk or we got a hundred grand and I don't want to give them their cut type deal. Yeah. Could have been you know that. What like what but the, could have been anything like yeah, that. You, you think mean, about it, the, the whole cut piece of it. I mean, Lisa couldn't just, she was apparently still living there with her parents. She just up and had like, Oh, I've got an extra ten thousand dollars when I work at what is it, TGI Fridays? I think is where she worked right. at. No, that doesn't take happen. Like, take like fifteen years to get ten grand at that gig. Yeah, you know exactly. Save it up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. There's a lot of weird little pieces to it. It's an interesting case. Like I, I knew where, like I remember hearing it. Like I, I knew the details. Like man, where did I hear? I remember I hadn't listened to much of Sword in the Scale. Like that, I think one of the few episodes that I've ever listened to was actually this case. Okay, like that's I why I it. ring a bell because I, I I think that he did an episode of it because I remember the part about the mom freaking out and screaming that like she knew that the kids were in that house yeah. and that, that she had called twice and the cops had come out there and they wouldn't do anything and that ultimately that the husband ended up like getting into the house <laughs> and discovering the kid right I mean so like that's the part that I remember from the story because I was like man, why is this, why is this case ringing a bell? And I think that was it. And I had listened to it like a year ago. Yeah. Like I was, I was walking my dog or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting case. It's a tragic one though, for certain. Yeah. And I, 
one of the things I said on my episode about it is I've, I've got a feeling that this is not going to be the last thing that we hear about it. I think because of the kind of criminal background that it seems like almost all of them have, like everybody involved, even parents and stuff like that, we'll probably still hear more about this coming from the years, you know, coming up to us that four or five oh, years certain. from now, Oh, somebody else involved in this gets arrested or they get arrested again, or maybe the destiny chick or whatever her name was, maybe she actually finally does get, you know, killed because they found out that she had something to do with it or, or arrested. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I'm the family, like trying to kill her, it's probably not what I'm trying to do. I'm probably trying to extract information yeah. from her. You know, it's like, what use is to, what use is she to anybody if she's dead? You know what I mean? It's like, you're not going to be able to get the info. Like she, she could be one of the only people out there that would potentially be willing to talk about who everyone was involved. It's like the family's concerned about getting everyone that was involved. Like to me, killing somebody that might have the information you need seems like a really bad move, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the more I, I read about it too, like after I put out the episode, I mean, I did find out about the, the parents trying to shoot her. And afterwards I found out that apparently there was a sheriff's deputy or someone in the sheriff's department that apparently helped them to do that. So, I mean, he got, he got arrested and uh, I think he got sentenced to four years as well. So wow. it just, it goes oh, deep. It keeps getting deeper and deeper everywhere you go to. It sounds deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it typically, it typically never is though. You know, when you're getting that deep, it's, it's definitely getting dirty down there when you get into the, you know, into the depths. So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And like, I have no idea where, Sam's at in his appellate process. You know, he's twelve years in. He's probably pretty far into it. He's probably exhausted his his appeals, and you know, all he'd have left now would be like PCRA, like you know, PCRA petitions. So yeah, you know, because after you like get through your appellate stuff, like that's kind of your last. And, and typically, you need newly discovered evidence in order to, you know. But with the advancements in DNA, you know, I mean, if anybody. Like, problem is like if this guy doesn't have anybody advocating for him like if this guy's actually innocent yeah. but to me it sounds like he's not it sounds like it, like i think the more likely scenario is is that he ran with with this cameo's crew i think there was a crew of them and that he might not have been there the day that that took place you know and like he had bummed like cameo a short like like a half smoke cig. Yeah. He's like, hey man, let me get that short. And like cameo had it in his cigarette pack, and he smoked it at the spot and flicked it over into the corner. And it's got both their DNA. Like, how are both their DNAs on the cig? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's one of the things. And it actually kind of goes back to the whole um, him saying that he was homeless or whatever like that. But at the same time, he says that he was homeless, living in different people's places. I did read an, uh, a piece of an article that says he was like a heavy smoker, like three packs a day, that type thing. Right. So, uh, right. you know, the cigarettes were kind of always, but never in a short supply. So, I mean, totally. It, it could have been that it, he didn't have that much money, just enough to buy his three packs a day. You know, back then in 2011, was that like, I mean, Ohio, what, probably $4 a pack, $5 a pack or something like that. So it's not like a, right. a drug addiction well i mean i guess yeah drug addiction i mean it's totally yeah. a drug addiction it's probably the most addictive yeah. drug next to heroin like nicotine's pretty bad yeah. man that's like i've been trying to kick it for a long time i'm now down to like the i'm off the smoking of all varieties and vaping and now i'm back to like it's come full circle so i'm not doing like the 
like the chew or like the dip, which is what got me hooked back in high school when I was, you know, playing football, (laughs) I used to dip. (laughs) So that got me hooked onto the nicotine. And then in college, I'm like, oh, well, can't talk to girls with dip in your mouth. So I started smoking and then I did that forever. And now like it's come full circle. So now, but this doesn't actually have tobacco in it. It's just got the nicotine. But I'm still hooked on it. Yeah. It's like the only thing I'm still addicted to is nicotine. Yeah, I was it's disgusting. Hearing something the other day, and this is completely off topic, off topic. Apparently, the tobacco and the chemicals and stuff like that, that apparently is the, the bad part. Apparently, other than being addictive, nicotine is actually not that bad for you, apparently. I don't know what kind <laughs> of truth there is to that. It's it's all the other stuff that's cancerous and stuff, but apparently well, yeah, there's some benefits the t- for like, it- nicotine of some sort. I, I don't know that I believe that, but... Yeah. I well, I think that it makes sense. I mean, you're you're definitely the carcinogens from smoking is definitely coming from the tobacco, yeah. not like the nicotine, which is an additive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I mean, I could buy it potentially. Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to look through and try to find uh more about the conviction and when he's gonna get off and stuff like that. Actually it says uh he was convicted life with no chance of parole. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, his only shot is if, like, some, like, they come up with more evidence. Like, if they somehow, you know, and that's what I was kind of getting into. Like, if they, if they were, if he had somebody fighting for him, like, if he could get, like, if he's like, look, I didn't do this, and he got an innocence project to say, all right, we'll look at it. We believe you. And they start digging in. And then, you know, they're, they're fighting to get, like, that's what I was saying. Like, DNA has advanced so much now as to what it was in 2012. Yeah. You know, and to me, the fact and how these poor kids were killed was so violent. There was just so much hands on, you know what I'm saying? This isn't like a gun, you know, like where they're shot from a distance or even if it's a contact wound to the head or whatever, you know, I mean, this, they had to have hands on them. So to me, it's likely that there'd be some kind of DNA somewhere on either of the kids to where. If somebody came in and said, all right, look, look we're going to test whatever whatever DNA that they found on the kids that they didn't test back then, you know, just because – and we don't know. Like, I, I don't know what they tested. I mean, obviously, they tested the SIG, you know, so we're assuming they tested other things as well, and they must not have gotten hits, you know, because like you were saying, they didn't get the hit on this guy right away off the cigarette. Well, apparently, they, uh, from what I've seen, and this is another um, police document, they actually went through – they had a ton of DNA. It was all over the place, but they didn't have any that matched anything. The, See, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> well, the only piece know. that they had that matched anything was that cigarette butt. Like they ran it through when it was, you know, an exact match for both those guys. Because he was in CODIS. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that's what I mean, man. There's a ton of DNA. Yeah, and I was just seeing here get... that he, apparently it says that he was charged three times, uh, the Williams guy, three times for domestic violence. And I'm reading this from WTOL. 2006, he's found guilty of threatening to kill the victim. 2007, he's involved in a fight and charged with felonious assault after punching a man. 2010, he was found guilty of pushing his ex-wife to the ground and biting her wrist. And in 2011, before his arrest for the murder, he was found guilty of going to his ex-wife's place, kicking in the door, and then threatening to to send the woman in his car, apparently had somebody in his car, to go inside and beat her up. Wow. So yeah, he was yeah he was a violent I mean, guy, a but dude. not necessarily a and a, a murderer. Yeah, he's he's done an interview from prison since then, and says that he was a a, a pimp, a drug dealer, but he was never a killer. Yeah, uh, I mean, I he might be telling the truth. Maybe you know, I don't know. Too many I things mean, just gonna line up, I believe. 
I know if he was a better guy, I might go down there and fight for him. But yeah. he sounds like he was kind of a turd. Yeah, so it absolutely him, was. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let him. I'll let him sit in there. I'm not going to waste my time on that guy. <laughs> I don't think I would either. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. You got me off that ledge. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to help out with it. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Well, I, All right. I think we've uh, we've done about an hour here, so that's a good little chat back and forth on this. And I think it's good. Yeah. If uh, you want more information about it. There's a, a thousand different places out there to do it. Of course, listen to my episode about it. And you're going to put this on, You, I believe you said the docket. So uh, Music City 911 listeners, head over there, listen to the docket. You know, this is good stuff. You know, Bob and I guess your wife, uh, Allison, she comes on and helps you out with some of the stuff too. And it's, you know, just back and forth, really good stuff. I mean, it's way more yeah, detailed than I than- know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's different than the serialized stuff, you know, because that's just me, like, which is, it's a great, too, you know, it's scripted, it's different, yeah. you know, it's like, there there you get kind of more of this thing where you got a couple people chatting, and Allison, who's my wife and also a law, my law partner, so, you know, she tried cases with me for a long time, so we definitely bring something different to the table, and people seem to really, really dig it, you know, and it was cool, it was cool for us to to do it because we dug into that Valo case pretty hard within it and it's you know but we're we cover all the all the breaking news type stuff you know but we do it from kind of the lawyer's angle yeah um you know so it's interesting it's interesting yeah. and, and we we enjoy doing it same way i do it with mine i, I like hitting on the breaking news stuff when the yep. number one calls are available I, I i try to get on those when they you know get on when the when the iron's still hot that type thing yeah and 100 percent. and for all my people you know uh, you know I love Brandon. You know I love Music City 911. It's a great show. I mean, I, I don't listen personally to a ton of pods, but uh, Brandon's is one of them that I do. Uh, and I know that, that my listeners in the past, last time we did a collab, uh, I turned a bunch of people onto your stuff, and they all loved it like I knew they would. You know, it's just it's compelling stuff, man. It's super, Like I've said before, it's super fascinating. You know, it's like, like we talked about it a little bit last time. You know, you're you're dealing with like that that moment in people's lives where shit's about as real as you can get, get, you know, you know what I mean? Like, especially if it's like a real crisis situation and shit's gone down, man, you're just never going to get a real, like a realer moment than that. It's, yeah. as, it's as intense as you can get, you know, and you're dealing it with it on the front end. So yeah, and you're dealing like, with the cleanup in the courtroom and then at the tail end. Exactly. Of it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so we got the front and the back covered brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I've, I've read a couple different places. I've, can't recall if it was on my group or on your discussion group, but, uh, you know, we're the, the, the deep voice guys, of true crime. So oh, we're, we're the gravel guys, yeah, gravel guys. There you go. <laughs> we got those gravelly voices. There's an, another t-shirt for you right there. <laughs> that, you got damn right. Yeah, dude, I love this, but yeah, everybody, all my people immediately go subscribe to, to Brando's stuff. It's great. Uh, music city. Nine one one is the bomb. You know, I guarantee you'll love it. It's super addictive. Like once you listen to one, you're, you're, you're ripping through like six of them right away. Yes. And then you're going through trying to pick like, what do I, you know, cause he'll tell you the kind of stuff that he's he, like every episode. He'd be like, all right, we're going to deal with this type of situation, like different types of calls that come in. It's all not just like grizzly murders. He's got all kinds of stuff in there from like the entire gamut. So it's super fascinating and it's like really inside dope stuff. So you guys will totally dig it. And if you haven't already done it, do it now. Yeah. Same thing uh, on my end, music city, now one listeners, Defense Diaries, The Docket, uh, and now just about watch any type of TV because Bob's on it now. <laughs> he He's yeah. hitting everything. I mean, uh, Long Crime Network, Court TV, I mean, just all over the place. 
Check out yeah, his, uh, his TikTok is blowing up. Definitely go over to Defense Diaries TikTok if you haven't done that already. Really good stuff on there. Yeah, it's uh, it's tiring though, man. It's like I'm I'm burning I'm burning the candle at both ends. though, you yeah. know, I'm trying to put all this content out there. You know, it's like if you guys don't know, Brandon still works full time, man, and then spends a massive. Like I can't tell you guys how hard it is to put these podcasts together. Like if you think we're just sitting there and like a idea pops in our head and we decide to stroll down into our little studios and record an hour and then just bloop, it's on the end. No, that's not no, at all what no. it's like. It's it's way more work than that. He's working a full-time gig, being a family man and trying to make the podcast and having it be as good as it is, you know, like y'all need to understand how much work we put into these things. So we always love when you guys give us the love in our groups and online. It means everything to both of us. So, uh, you know, keep doing that. Make sure if you guys love our pods, give us those reviews. Like all that little stuff that you guys might not think means much, it, it's the opposite. It means a huge amount to us, and it really helps spread the show, uh, you know, the show out there to the world because uh, that's always our biggest battle, you know, getting, getting the name of the show out to the peoples. Yeah, we have the best show in the world, but if nobody's listening, nobody knows about it. <laughs> that's right. If, it, if a tree falls in the forest, nobody's there. Does it make a sound? Yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so all right dude it's been awesome uh i'm sure we'll be doing a lot more of these you know we always love to hang oh yeah but uh yeah all, all my folks make sure you go to brando and uh you'll love his stuff and uh you know as far as i go like i always say to my people without y'all i'd just be an old man talking about an old case <laughs> that's that's pretty talk, good. Talk to you next time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my end. That's my end thing. So all right, yeah, uh, and and mine's always y'all have a good one. So you know, yep, y'all have a go. good. One. All right, all right, all right. See you. Take care, brother. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.